You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review's senior editor, Daniel Horowitz. And along with co-host Joe Koss, they break down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering The Conservative Conscience. This is Daniel Horowitz and a very special episode of the conservative conscience. This is our number 100, our 100th birthday, 100th episode we started about a year and a half ago and wow what a what a ride it's been. Um first of all, great to be back. Thank you for all your get well bless- blessings and prayers. Pneumonia is certainly no joke, but it looks like it's really getting much better, much quicker. I'm still coughing a lot. My voice, as you notice, <coughs> is probably very weak. But I felt like I I could not be away from this beautiful form that we've created together. Um, I didn't want to take a week off, so I took a couple days off. And even then, you see me on Twitter, you see my articles, I've been writing from bed. But this is a very special episode because I want to go through the core of why we've started this vertical conservative conscience, what we try to do here, how you guys are are at the cutting edge of Obamacare, of the failed federal judiciary, of immigration, all the major issues, the focus that we adhere to here, the long vision, the deep vision the attention to details and facts, what it means to be a conservative both in general but very specifically geared towards what is going on in the here and now. And boy, we could not have picked a better week for this 100th anniversary. And and I, really what we're going to do is almost use the, the news of the week and primarily Obamacare and Gorsuch and everything going on if we get time to, to just get to everything all wrapped into our our theme for today, standing for nothing more than, quote, not Democrat, is making us like Democrats, quite literally. But first, I just want to announce, to celebrate the 100th episode, I'm excited to give away a free one-year CRTV subscription. That's right. We are going to allow those of you that got away without a subscription, bad, naughty boys and gals, um, one of you will win a free subscription. We will choose this by Sunday noon, and it will not be my decision. It will be the CRTV staff, but you'll get Levin TV, Michelle Malkin Investigates, Ladder with Crowder, Steve Day Show, which, by the way, I come on every week except for when I'm sick. I'm sorry I missed it this week. And in order to celebrate with me, because I know I couldn't have gotten here without you guys listening and supporting me, I want at least one of you. I wish I can give away to more, but I was only authorized one person. If you tweet about the 100th episode of the Conservative Conscience using hashtag CC100, that's for Conservative Conscience 100, CC100, make sure you're following CRTV, ah, CRTV on Twitter, by the way. So you do those two things, you will be getting a one-year subscription if you are chosen by Sunday noon. But that's what it is. I can't believe it's been this long. You know, when we started, when we recognized that 
politics, policy, and process tied together in something much deeper than nursery rhyme platitudes. We're certainly we're hardcore conservatives here. My Twitter name, RM Conservative, stands for Red Meat Conservative, but it's a lot about a lot more than a label. It's about consistency. It's about facts and details. And you know, you have a lot of websites that might be very philosophical. Some might be very trending newsy. We tie the two together. We'll give you the cutting edge and to the extent that I could speak over in full confidence things that at least I you know, talk to members and people within the administration and give you an accurate portrayal of what's actually going on, what's actually important. You know, not just the flag-waving stuff, oh, the Democrats did this, the Democrats were mean, but what do we affirmatively stand for? What is our vision for a system of government? What's our vision for the judiciary? What's our vision for Congress, for national security, for immigration, for domestic policy, for health care? I know many of you really appreciated our last episode with Professor John Cochran talking about my 20 free market health care ideas. We're about so much more than being not Democrat. Because if all you're about is being not the other person, ironically, all you'll ever be is the other person the other team. And that's really where we are here today. You know, throughout the time I was sick this week, over the past week with this diagnosis of pneumonia, and now it's really, you know, thank God going away, although I'm still very winded and it's kind of hard to talk, I was just thinking about the gift of speech that God gave us and how we need to utilize it for what's right. Um, you know, it's truly hard not being able to do interviews with, you know, TV, talk, radio, or do my podcast for the past week. And I felt this burning itch inside of me. I, I got to get the truth out. What they're saying is not truthful. And that's my commitment to you, that we are going to continue to speak the truth. Even if it's kind of somber, and a lot of people always say, hey, Daniel, you're the Grim Reaper here. Always a pack of bad news. But the thing is, like I always say, it's not bad news because the first step in actualizing a solution is actually recognizing and acknowledging the severity of the problem that's confronting us. That we don't think we have the ball in the end zone, that we don't think we have a team that's making plays because then we're not going to try to assemble one. And the more we expose the truth of what we should be affirmatively standing for, and it becomes apparent to people that Republicans are not standing for that, in my mind, that's how we're going to get to the ultimate solution, which you know I've not shied away from that, and it's no secret. I believe we don't need a Freedom Caucus. We need a Freedom Party. We need a new movement. We need a new party. And, and that's where we are today. We have two Democrat parties. The reason we have two Democrat parties is because we have a Republican Party and a conservative movement that just focuses on the Democrats all day. Well, the Democrats did this. So therefore, as long as we just move one tranche to the right of where they are and then create a fake fight over it, we're good to go. It's binary, Daniel. Are you for A or B? This is where we are. You know, I want, I want to just go over a bunch of observations I'm seeing, and I know we're not going to have time to get to them. But, you know, Ezekiel, Ezekiel Emanuel advising Trump on Obamacare. The Washington Post story I'm going to link to in the show notes, the White House New Yorkers, 
Gary Cohen and Dina Powell running the show. And I didn't need the Washington Post to tell me that. I know that from my friends that have been working in the administration, that they have no say. It's all the liberals that are deciding everything. You know, we have a judicial crisis in this country. The courts are literally sacking our sovereignty. We have the rapes in Rockville, Maryland, of illegal aliens, 18-year-olds dumped into our schools against our will. Who's speaking to this? Instead of Trump pushing you know, moderates hard to join with conservatives to pass legislation ending this refugee resettlement, ending the unaccompanied child minors, they call them, from Central America being dumped in our schools, ending Obama's amnesty, the DACA amnesty, which, by the way, is responsible for incentivizing this. We're going to have a piece on this later this week. Instead of working with conservatives to get a provision in the budget to enshrine his executive order, against the courts he's actually doing nothing he's asking in his own budget request funding for refugee resettlement and he's keeping obama's amnesty we we swear to ourselves that this is so unconstitutional how could a president be a king and create his own immigration stream oh we get in there and continue to hand out work permits and social security cards we're a bunch of frauds oh we're gonna repeal obamacare oh well i guess not so much Oh, Neil Gorsuch is the greatest thing alive. Oh, well, actually, redefinition of marriage absolutely is settled law in his own words. I'm just quoting there. You know, and then obviously we've spoken about the last couple of times Trump's entire pick of his cabinet picks, his lack thereof, and all the Kerry people being appointed to foreign policy positions. What is going on? Who is guarding the hen house here? This is all born out of being not Democrat. Let's start with Obamacare. You know, those of you who have been following me the last number of years, certainly the the last number of months, are at the cutting edge of this. I don't know why Daniel Horowitz, little old me, is the one leading the fight on this. You would think this is the biggest national issue and every Republican and conservative would have their ducks lined in a row and understand what Obamacare is, what it isn't, what health care should be like, how to message it. Evidently, it was very novel, and it's been an honor to be able to educate some of the members of the Freedom Caucus exactly what Obamacare is, and they've been on message. And we've had to deconstruct one policy lie after policy lie, political lie after political lie, process lie after process lie. And every step of the way, the starting point is the Democrat position. Not what we should stand for, it's we accept the paradigm that the left gives us. Now, I'm not just talking about the New Deal and the Great Society. That, I mean, forget it. We don't have a Reagan anymore still litigating the case against that. I'm talking about the Obama era stuff. I'm talking about new stuff. They've accepted that premise. And they start from there. And then they start negotiating and say, well, Daniel, are you going to say no to this? Okay, we'll give you this. We'll give you that. What do you mean you'll give us? You promised and ran for five years on full repeal. That is the only solvent solution. That is the only way to keep your promise. That is the only way to restore healthcare in America. But what they're doing is wearing down some of these conservative members by making it seem like they're they're accommodating them. And this is what's kind of going on with these negotiations. And obviously, you know, today's Thursday, you know, as we're talking right now, Thursday, the, the 23rd of March, 
So who knows what's going to happen by the time you hear this later today, tomorrow. I mean, everything's still up in the air. But nothing embodies the problem we have with this fake Republican Party more than Obamacare. Because their position is the Democrat position minus one or two tweaks. But then they sell it as our position. It's the worst combination. They sell it as this is the binary. So we have a binary choice, but it's not a binary choice. Binary idolatry without the leverage of a binary choice. We, get, we recover possession of the ball. We get the ball. Here's what happens every time. When the other side gets the ball and we try to make the tackles, our own team tackles us, prevents us from making the tackles. When we get the ball, we want to make the play. Our own offensive linemen tackle us for making the play. They try to take the ball and they try to throw an interception. The best we can do is yell and scream and try to prevent our side from taking the ball and throwing an interception. But how do you get your own team that's not really your own team, that doesn't believe in what you believe in, to actually take the ball and throw it in the right direction? And that's the problem we have now. We could block this bad bill, but how do we get them to actually want full repeal? Now, Trump is kind of all over the place, just so you know. He's like, I was speaking to some members about this. He's like King Xerxes in the Book of Esther. All over the place. <laughs> Just, uh, you know, you get him in a room with an advisor, he's one way. Without the advisor, he's another way. He doesn't know anything about this. Doesn't care. And, and like I've said, you know, those of you who have been with us for all 100 episodes, I've been very consistent since Trump has started. I don't think Trump is the source of the problem. I just never said, I just never thought he'll be the solution. And we're seeing that now. Everyone's like, well, Daniel, uh, Paul Ryan's eating his lunch. Well, I thought he was supposed to solve this. Well, you know, they're all, it's hard for him, the moderates. Well, he, he's supposed to be on message. The president leads the agenda of the majority party in Congress. Well, Daniel, I don't know. I mean, he doesn't know much about healthcare. Okay, well, there's the problem. Then I guess we're going to continue to have this problem. But don't tell me if we had a president especially an entrepreneur president who's on message and says, says we are going to have a healthcare system that's going to look like the American supermarket shelves and not the shelves of a supermarket in Venezuela. We're going to repeal all the regulations. You know, if you want to deal with pre-existing conditions, we're already funding it. Get $100 billion to, to states for high-risk pools. But we will have a private market that works. We will restore competition. We're not going to have one or two insurers left in this country to have a monopoly. But no, no one's talking like that. So you can't reinvent this wheel overnight. Instead, what we get is, well, Daniel, do you want Obamacare? Do you want the Democrats? So imagine that. They give us Obamacare. They put the seal of approval of repeal of Obamacare on it. So we get tainted by the messaging and policies of Obamacare under the banner of repeal of Obamacare. And then we're saying, hey, if you don't support that, you're supporting the Democrats. If you don't allow us to toss the interception, Dan- Daniel, we got to make a play. We got to throw the ball. If you don't allow us to toss the interception, you're for the other side. Again, facts and details matter. And, you know, I'm assuming, you know, for those of you tuning in just for the 100th anniversary and 100th episode an- anniversary who ha- don't follow my writings, I assume a lot of you read my writings, and that's why I link to them. I try to talk about some new things, but we've discussed all this. <laughs> you know, right now everyone's discovering, really? The parliamentarian said that the regs might be able to be repealed? 
Isn't it so cute? See, we knew this all along. It's not that they can't repeal the regs. They don't want to. In fact, the leading advisors for Tom Price and Trump that, that are in negotiations, and I know who these people are in the room, they're Lamar Alexander's people. They're Mitch McConnell's people. They're like, Title I, repeal of Title I, meaning that's the entire regulatory structure of Obamacare. No way we're going to do that. So they don't want to. I always said, isn't it funny? So first of all, everyone knows that ultimately the majority party, and certainly if you have the vice president as part of the member of the same party, he is the presiding officer of the Senate. You control the rules of the Senate, right? With 51 votes, the Democrats blew up the judicial filibuster. So certainly with 51 votes, you could interpret the precedent of the bird rule to get around the filibuster and budget reconciliation. Okay. Everyone knows that, that that's quite obvious. You, you, you might not want to be strong armed, you know, for some provision in a water bill or a farm bill, but for to save American health care, this is what you got to do. Everyone knows that. But the amazing thing is we don't even know the parliamentary would rule against us. You would think if this is the linchpin, you will not bring down prices. You will not repeal Obamacare. You will not solve the problem without repealing the regulations. So this is the only path forward to solvency. It's the only political way out. So you would think you would have exhausted every single path to determine, man, this can't be done before you say, oh, no, this can't be done. I always said it's kind of suspicious. They say so quickly, no, 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 Daniel, uh, that that can't be done in reconciliation. Uh, Let's move on next. Really? You sound a little bit too enthusiastic about moving on. And again, you know, this was a joke because we always knew all along. Of course, you could do this. They never wanted to. And then lo and behold, you know, Phil Klein in the Washington Examiner reported this. Mike Lee was on Mark Levin last night, said, look, I, Mark, Mark, um, Mike Lee said, I spoke to Elizabeth McDonough. She's the parliamentarian. She said no one even litigated the case with her about regulations. And frankly, if she knew this was such a big political issue, she might step away and defer to us. You don't know if you don't try. But then again, you can't try if you don't believe. And these people do not believe in what we believe in. They don't believe in repealing Obamacare. They never did. This is why we had all these primary challenges, because we knew this was coming. And and this is the problem. You know, I, I was debating this with some members last night. A lot of the conservative members feel like they could strike a, a, a middle-of-the-night deal with Trump, Trump personally, because he just wants to get something done. And look, heck, maybe he'll give it to us. But what does giving to us mean? How do you put in his heart an articulation of something he doesn't understand or believe in? He's not going to stand by this with the bully pulpit as this heads to the Senate. The Senate's going to defang this and we'll be left with a dumpster fire. We're going to get blamed for it. You got to do this right. We got to step back and start and, and re and, and heal our messaging. First of all, Republicans stopped litigating the case against Obamacare. So now we're just self-litigating the case against what would happen if we repeal Obamacare but not really repeal it. No one's giving a vision of what is actually going on now and what we do stand for. Our position is being distorted. This is part of the podcast we did two weeks ago about the tortured nature of being a conservative soul stuck in a Republican body where we get blamed for the policy and messaging vices of things that are really antithetical to what we believe in, but they're being messaged as what we believe in. But as long as we're not Democrats, 
And, and this brings me back to Neil Gorsuch. I'm not going to just read out my entire piece or, or really any of it. I'm going to link to it in show, my show notes why I'm disappointed. But you you guys know I felt all along he was somewhere between a Roberts and Alito. He's not a Scalia or a Thomas, doesn't have that boldness, very much buys into the prevailing pseudo-conservative legal establishment way of viewing the judicial supremacy. He's not going to fight back against this one-directional stereodecisis. And that was confirmed. I mean, I challenge anyone to tell me what about his confirmation hearings gave you any bit more clarity about him than we had about John Roberts. Now, I understand everyone's kind of cagey during their confirmation hearings, but usually we have some sort of paper trail. With Alito, we had his work on Roe v. Wade in in the Reagan administration. (coughs) In this case, we have nothing. So we had the Federalist Society tell us for years, Daniel, I don't want to hear about your judicial reform. We're going to continue on this judicial supremacy. We're just going to have better guys in the judiciary. So this is this was what it boiled down to. And we can't even fill Scalia's seat. And by the way, Scalia, even if we got Scalia, even if Scalia came back alive, Scalia himself, before he died, said the court was worse than it ever was. And that doesn't even account for the lower courts, which I have two very long scholarly pieces on this demonstrating circuit by circuit how the circuits are lost for a generation. So you're not going to get that back anyway. Even if we had a Scalia, we're at the Obergefell court. And by the way, I have a list of 15 questions that would vet whether this guy is a true originalist as we need as it relates to the current issues. We don't have clarity on any one of them. And in fact, on most of them, I think he's not with us. I don't like what he said on the establishment clause. I'm not going to get into that so much now, but he was like, you know, John Cornyn, of all people, and, you know, I don't care for him too much, <laughs> Mitch McConnell's deputy. Um, but he actually did ask one of the one of the few Republicans that didn't throw his time away just to talk about unserious stuff because the whole thing's a charade. They don't want to ask him real questions that will reveal what he believes. He actually said, I'm very I'm very upset with what the courts are doing with the establishment clause, with just eradicating religion. And, and Gorsuch said a bunch of nothing. He was like, well, you know, it's kind of hard because the First Amendment on the one hand says that you can't establish national religion. But on the other hand, it says you have to provide for the free exercise. But if you provide for the free exercise, you might be establishing. What? That reveals you don't understand what, what, what it means. If you understand what the Establishment Clause means, they actually work in tandem. The Establishment Clause is very simple. It means you don't you cannot establish an official denomination. That's it doesn't mean endorsement or showing favor or accepting or having some sort of display of, of no. It's all it means is you can't establish that that's done. And what it really means, that's what it means for a federal government. A state actually downright could establish a religion as an official state religion. But what they can't do is what Madison said, coerce someone against their to 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 establish a religion um, in a way that will coerce someone to service their God against their conscience. That is what free exercise is. They work in tandem. And in fact, I have an article on this. I'll try to remember to link in the show notes here. Recently, there was a Ten Commandment case in the Tenth Circuit, Neil Gorsuch's court. Now, because he's under under wraps here, he had to recuse himself. He was involved in it, where they struck down the Ten, Ten Commandments. And two of his colleagues, a very small minority, but two of them wrote a very scholarly dissent. 
And they said, we're going to tell you what the Establishment Clause means. And they were very bold. Why couldn't Gorsuch tell us that? We're not talking about Roe v. Wade or a specific case even. You know, I understand, okay, so we don't know. He's not going to prejudge a specific case. But we should know where you stand, what what each clause of the Constitution means on major issues. If we don't know that, that's a problem. I'm sorry. But I could spend all this time telling you how rude the Democrats were, how rude Al Franken is, and even the Democrats have issues. And by the way, their issues are kind of fake. If you notice, they're mainly complaining about a stolen seed and Merrick Garland, and they have to go through the obligatory stuff. They're not bothered by him. You could tell that. And if unless I'm proven wrong, he will get 60 votes. But it, but again, if that's what we're looking for, fine. Someone who is going to get 60 votes and not have to blow up the filibuster, fine. But that's different from telling me you're getting a Scalia or Thomas where we would have to blow it up. Like um, Kennedy was um, the state judge from Florida. He's a guy that I know even Bill Pryor would have been a lot better. Certainly Mike Lee, his brother Thomas Lee. We're not getting that. I'm sorry. This is not what we're getting. But, you know, we're going to make a a return to our uh, our theme of the podcast. Our good old buddy, The Ratchet. I know it bothers many of you, so I'm not going to use it a lot. But this is all about the legal and political ratchet. The Democrats turn the screws, and they turn it, turn it, turn it, turn it. When we get in power, like a ratchet, it can't go back the other way. It keeps going forward, maybe a little slower. That's what it is. Because we're always, we, we just have to find some sort of daylight between us and Dems on one issue, one tranche to make a fight over. But the problem is the Democrats are moving so far to the left that what it means to be a Republican now is to be to the left of where Democrats were on every single issue just a half a generation ago. So this is why the redefinition of marriage, the redefinition of sexuality is now settled law. You know what's going to happen the next time we have a Supreme Court nominee if we do have one? The, The affirmative right to immigrate will be enshrined by then. That will be settled law. The other side could overturn 200 years of settled law, plain meaning of the Constitution, social compact, social contract, declaration of independence, national sovereignty. They can overturn it overnight. And then no problem. But once they do that one time, our side goes along with it. I have never felt worse since the beginning of this presidency that we have a major problem. We're incurring the lowest common denominator of Trump's baggage, the people around him, and the baggage of the GOP establishment. We have the nightmare scenario where not only are we getting progressive policies, but we're getting a couple of good policies out of Trump, but in a very pro forma ceremonial way where he's not fighting for them. So the perception is that he's a right winger, but we're not getting it. We're not going to get the Mulvaney budget. We're not going to get the immigration stuff because he's not fighting for it. He's fighting for the progressive stuff. He's fighting for the porculus. He's fighting for Ivanka care. He's fighting for Obamacare. Liberal foreign policy. Demanding where Israel could build or not build. By the way, another big problem. We're going to get to all this stuff. We're going to flesh out in our future podcasts. But for now, I'm, I'm really out of wind, and I apologize. Um, you know, Again, still recovering here from having fluid on my lungs. <clears throat> but anyway, 
I want you guys to celebrate with me this 100th anniversary. <coughs> Tweet at hashtag CC100. Let me know what you think of this episode, conservative conscience in general, what you're looking for beyond my writings. My commitment is, especially when I get better, God willing, next week, to keep speaking the truth, to keep identifying what we stand for, both broadly and philosophically, but also specifically with specific issues, specific strategies that speak to the here and now. And through that, you know, we're going to come up with a solution. We're going to come up with a plan. We're going to rebuild a movement and eventually rebuild a party. It's very awe-inspiring what one person can do. I'm seeing that with my work on Obamacare, our work on Obamacare. I couldn't do this without you guys. Thanks so much for for really being loyal from day one, from when we started Conservative Review in, in uh, 2014 to Conservative Conscience in 2015, all of our writings. And whoever does not win this lucky... Uh, CRTV subscription, the 99 bucks, uh, an entire year worth. It is well worth the money. So please subscribe to that if you are not the winner of this lottery. And um, also go to preparewithcr.com. Patriot Supply gives you 140 meals for 99 bucks. They are our sponsor. They've been with us from day one. By the way, we're going to have some new sponsors as well, too. I'm excited to announce and all people I stand behind. We have a lot more we're going to discuss. Sovereignty, security, immigration, the courts, Obamacare, budget. You're not going to want to miss it. We're going to have it here. Keep up with our writings. Keep up. Subscribe on Stitcher, on iTunes, to the conservative conscience. Thanks for celebrating our 100th episode with us here today. God bless you all. This has been another episode of the conservative conscience. Conservative conscience.